Today we're speaking with Charlotte Burgess Auburn. She is a designer, artist, and educator. With a background in production for fine arts and theatre and experience at the MIT Media Laboratory, she's been the director of community at the Stanford D School since 2005, where she also teaches classes on the role of self-awareness in creativity and design. She's the author of the newly released D School Guide, You Need a Manifesto. And this is where she defines the challenges of information overload that we all experience today. We'll dive into this, this idea around information overload, but also how we might craft a personal creed that can help us face our daily tasks and roadblocks and create more purpose in our work. Charlotte, it's a delight to be speaking with you. Thank you for your time today. Thanks. It's good to be with you. My first question is always, what's something, you know, as an educator, what's something you're learning at the moment? or that you've learned recently that's kind of emerged into your consciousness or your presence? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the thing that comes to mind immediately is like what it's like to try and write a book. I've never written a book before. This <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. It's great. So, yeah. So it's a steep learning curve. Um, uh, and one of the things that's the most interesting thing to learn about it is how emotional a process it is. I think I didn't really um, – I didn't really expect that. Um, mm. I expected that it would, you know, kind of intensely. It would be intense intellectually. Like I would have to like think hard. Um, yeah. But I, I didn't um, expect it to bring up so many feelings, <laughs> both of like, you know, excitement and um, and and um, a sense of like breakthroughs and you know, kind of joy and being able to share stuff, share information and ideas, but also like a deep sense of inadequacy or a, you know, like a, a concern that like, I'm not an expert in these things. Like, who am I to talk about them? Um, you know, um, mm. and it's been very interesting to talk to other folks who are authors, even my, some of my AD school colleagues who are authors and, you know, say like, I feel so inadequate. And they're like, I feel the same, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, so, um, there's a lot to it. Uh, yeah. But that's been a new experience for me. It's been really, really interesting. So. I, I, I love that. I mean, a lot of the conversations on this podcast are very much about the connection of the, the emotions and cognition, you know, the heart and the mind. And, and this piece also, you know, where the, the story we tell ourselves is such a great starting point, Charlotte. You know, when you think about a personal creed um, and a manifesto and, you know, as, as you'll take us through this, it's idea of, you know, mm -hmm. what am I worthy of and what am I fighting for and what's my, what might be my pathway? These are very deep self-questions. And it's, yeah. it's why I just, I've, I've loved, you know, some of the articulations that you've put to this work. So take us into this, this world of, uh, of you need a manifesto. What is it? You know, why yeah. do we need it? You know, what's, yeah. what is it? <laughs> yeah. go, go into so, it. So the, I'll give you like just a tiny bit of like, um, D school context for it. Right. Great. Um, so um, the D School itself is a is a interdisciplinary institute at Stanford um, University, and it uh, it serves students from all across the university. So um, we're not just working with students of design; mm. we're working with students in business and law and economics and you know the humanities, computer yeah. science, engineering, medicine, etc. Um, and uh, that's 
critical to the work that we do because the work that we do is on is to teach design to people who are not specifically designers so that they can use this tool as a collaborative methodology um to solve big problems in the world right to 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 create amazing work solve solve big problems and kind of push us forward um and and so my context is that I'm I'm working with people who have generally speaking deliberately t- made a choice to yes. change their lives in some way to come back to school and to learn new things, um, and that is a is a pretty dis, you know kind of that that moment of transformation of deliberate mm. transformation is. Um, um, is sort of destabilizing in a way. It's one they've chosen, but it is it's it can be a moment um, where you're having all of those feelings of like yeah. excitement and joy and also anxiety and imposter syndrome, <laughs> you, know, you know, those <laughs> kinds of things. Um, and um, and so uh, this project that I developed, which I called the Manifesto Project, was a uh, an exercise essentially to help students um, think about, to to help students become less intimidated by the idea of connecting with the things that they truly value um, and help that that could help them ground their work and the way that they navigate their work, their, their student pathway, their, their lives. Right. Um, And it was, you know, it was not intended to be like a big, you know, like world shattering (laughs) moment, you know, it was just like, uh, it's not as intimidating or as difficult as you think it is to, to approach your, um, your own sense, your sense of your own values and to set goals for yourself and to, um, to kind of create a, a creed, uh, Mm. for yourself that you, that you can use to navigate, you know, it's not about, um, uh, it's not about uh, claiming land, right? Um, or like claiming a stance that you're never going to move from, but rather one um, that is a, a tool, a compass to help you make decisions, um, which a lot of the students that I was encountering and working with really, they needed. They needed yeah. to be able to make decisions about the pathways that they were going to follow to, you know, am I going to finish my medical degree? Am I going to become a designer of medical devices or am I going to become a doctor? Right. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. uh, and how do I make that decision? Right. How do I make that decision? I know, you know, I'm, I'm pulled in a lot of different directions. Yes. Um, and I think the, it, you know, this is a moment, this is the, this is a moment in the world, right? <laughs> right. Where, <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Um, I think. Yeah. This moment. Um, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And um, if for, for, for those people who are, you know, kind of open to understanding what's happening in the world, um, it, it's a lot to take in. It's yes. a, it, it feels overloading um, um, and can, can feel overwhelming. And the sophistication of the kinds of um, communication tools that we use um, at this point at this point essentially mean that if you, you know, if you're not subscribing to your own, if you don't have your own set of values that you're following, you're subscribed to someone else's. Absolutely. 
So, yeah. you'll get <laughs> so, picked into some fast moving water somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You will. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, you know, my overall goal was to help students build their own boat, right? To like build yeah. their boat and navigate it. Um, but this exercise was a part of that, of that larger project of the D schools kind of overall sense of community and culture um, yeah. of one where we wanted to really build a sense of collaboration between people who are working in very different fields using very different methodologies, mm. right? Um, mm-hmm. To find a way to have common ground and collaborate with one another. And one of the things that you really need to do in order to do that as a designer is to know yourself, Yeah. right? You have to know where you stand so that you can, that you can um, work with other people, <laughs> really. It makes it much easier to have a good working life. Yes. Um, and it can be like in your work and in your life, right? But it is not, those things are not separate, really, you know? Um, and you will have a much happier working life if you yes. can bring your values to your working life um, in a way that feels honest, you know? doesn't have to be raw and exposed or anything like that, but just like honest and connected. Yeah, absolutely. Shall. I, yeah, I feel almost, yeah <laughs> gra- grounded in a sense of, of connection to something larger than yourself in some ways, yeah. you know, a sense of purpose and purpose yeah, so often purpose. Yeah. seems to be larger than self. You know, it's actually, yes. it's an interaction with in It's about to be in relationship with something, be that, mm-hmm. You know, an organization, be that work, be that a family, be that a partner, be that, you know, a classroom, yeah. whatever the case might be. Yeah. Um, when you ask somebody, yeah. you know, what's your sense of purpose, right? Like, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit scary. Like, <laughs> so intimidating, right? Like yes. it, it can be very intimidating when you, when you approach it that way. And so the whole project was really about like, how can I get people to like sneak in the side door to seeing what their purpose is, you know, mm. and in a way that doesn't feel as overwhelming or intimidating. That's fantastic. Charlotte. I'd love uh, one thing I often reflect on is we, we do put so much pressure on ourselves and on our young people. What do you want to do when you grow up? Who do you mm-hmm. want to be? It's like, whoa, these are, these are pretty <laughs> big questions. We're still right. trying to work it out, all of us. And so this, yeah. I mean, this idea of finding your purpose versus building your purpose, I think there's something really interesting about that idea as designers, yeah. you know, in particular when you use these principles, you go, oh, actually, well, I discover it over time through experimentation. Not, it's not something necessarily that you, you just find. I, I've discovered, I've got it. Yeah, you know? and also, like, it's not a random search, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find my purpose like a needle in a haystack, you know? Yes, exactly. Right. It's going to come to me like a bolt Mm. of lightning. Um, I think it's, it's a combination of both finding your purpose and building your purpose. Right. So you're, you know, it, the question is not, who do you want to be, but like, who are you right now? And what's, where's the next place you want to go? Right. And what does that tell you about the kind of trajectory that you are on? That's right. So good. Yeah. So it, it's really about. Um, so my colleagues, you, I'm sure you talked to Andrea and Kelly Schmoody about navigating ambiguity. Kelly, right, Kelly was on. Yes. Kelly, was yeah. And yeah. so, so their book really talks about, like, you know, it explores this idea of wayfinding, right? Yeah. Um, and this indigenous idea that is 
you know, you're going to have a cone of possibility, right? And you are, you are finding your way amongst that. But every time you change direction a little bit, your cone of possibility changes a little bit, mm. but it doesn't mean you're not going where you thought you were going. Yeah, You may still be going where you thought you were going. It's just that new avenues are also opening up, right? Like different places are also, um, landing places are also opening up. And yeah. to me, that feels like a much more, um, uh, like a much more optimistic and inviting way mm. of thinking about your purpose and your future and the way you want to navigate than saying like, you got to set your goal and find on it until yes. you get, you know, like it's, it's also just like more practical and more realistic to think that you might end up someplace slightly different than where yeah. you, where you started out. Um, and I, at heart, I'm, 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 I'm just a pragmatist, you know, <laughs> I'm <laughs> a romantic, but I'm yeah, also okay. a pragmatist. <laughs> I'm an optimist, but yes. I'm also a pragmatist. Well, it's, it's, I, I like this, this expression as well, you know, to have your feet on the ground, but your head in the clouds, you know, yeah. it's this idea that you have your head in the clouds, but if your feet aren't on the ground, well, you're not walking anywhere. You're kind of, you're yeah. floating. And so exactly. you're kind of hovering somewhere. You're floating around. <laughs> yeah. And like, nobody wants yeah. to be floating around forever, no. you know? No. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. It does feel like these moments in time where, you know, there are deep insights, there are deep questions being asked. And I, you know, the example you gave of a medical student, for example, who's at this key moment to kind of choose one of the paths in front of them. And I think the scary realization is that there's always an infinite amount of paths in front of us at every moment. And oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's kind of a bit of fun. So I'd I'd love you to take us into like, what's the process for someone listening to our conversation here? You know, what, yeah, so where, do you, the, where do you start? You know, and the book obviously has love some wonderful exercises that are design based yeah. and, you know, practical, of course, as a practice, you know, as a practice. Very practical. It's on a bit of a journey. <laughs> very practical. Let's get into it. Let's kind of build it, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so the, the, it, it has a um, sort of two parts. Um, you know, in the book, there's a little extra context sort of built around it, um, which I think is very helpful for folks. Um, there's a sort of, but the two main parts of building a manifesto are about collecting and curating. Mm. Um, and before you do the collecting and curating, there's a little bit of work that I have put into the book. That's really about doing some preliminary reflection on your own. Like, what do you know now about your values? You know, what some exercises that can help you sort of discover it is what it is that you think that you uh, value and what it is, what kinds of goals you, you, you think you have. Um, and in addition to that, it, it also asks you to think about kind of what's your context in the world? What kinds of bias might you be holding on to mm. that you, that aren't, isn't exposed to you at that moment, you know, to, to kind of open up to the idea that you might be holding some bias that you but everyone has them, right? Like they're a way you create that shorthand for yourself. But if you can be aware of them, then it can help you in the following sort of part where you're doing a lot of intuitive work yeah. to not just be following like a, a rut in the road and instead really be like open to the ways in which you, which you are conditioned to think about things. Yeah. Um. So, so, 
it starts with that sort of like preliminary piece. And generally when I, when I'm running this as a workshop, that's a context that I've already set with my students throughout the, throughout a a quarter or Mm -hmm. a class or a workshop. Um, But the main part of making your own manifesto is, is at least the way that I do it is to collect a wide variety of original sources from people that you are inspired by, right? In your field, in outside of your, in your life, right? Um, And what I do is I, you know, I have a practice of just collecting manifestos. So I collect (laughs) other people's manifestos. (laughs) I collect other people's manifestos because they are great fodder for my own, right? Like other people who are these, thinkers, right? These believers, these, Mm. you know, um, uh, idealists, you know, they have done an enormous amount of work to, to prepare, you know, to, to create (laughs) pre-made information for you about things that people believe, right? Like deep thoughts that they believe. And I find them to be incredibly inspiring. Mm. And Essentially, what I do, what I've done is is collected a series of manifestos from people who I I really admire. Everything from Karita Kent's, you know, and the the rules of the the art department, um, yeah. or you know, to um, I sometimes will use uh, Martin Luther King's uh, letter from a Birmingham jail. Oh, wow! Or you know. Um, uh, Things from other things from like quotes and uh, collected quotes from Charles Eames. They're mm-hmm. amazing. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Some of them are just like absolutely amazing, right? Um, yeah. Or you know, stuff that's really very specifically about design, like Dieter Rahm's Ten Rules about Good Design. You know, like mm-hmm. the, they're the, you know, my background is in art and design, and so a lot of the manifestos that I collect are ones that are from that field because that's yeah. what I'm most interested in. And I go looking for those. Um, but every once in a while I come across something that I is just out of left field and I'm like, that's amazing. Grab it. Um, you know, and the internet is terrible for lots of things, but great for this, right? You can, <laughs> you can find all sorts of design manifestos and other kinds of um information like that on um on the internet. Um yeah. and with my students, I usually provide them with a a, a subset that I that I've you know curated and I print them out. And they're, they're on paper. Um, but for folks, um, who are not with me, I, I just ask them to like, go find them and make them physical, find a way to print them out on paper. Um, and, and I, I then the collection, the, the second part of the collection piece is to take, you know, a pair of scissors in one of your hands and, you know, to pick up a piece of paper, each one of these pieces of paper and, you know, read through it with an open kind of mind to uh, that is sort of sensitized to the idea of like, do I agree with this? Does this resonate? Do these ideas resonate with me and with my values? Right. Do I think this is true? Is it true for me? Right. Mm. Um, and for the things that really strike people, you know, I call it like, does it ring your bell? You know, yeah, like you read cool. it and you're like, ding, you're like, yes, that one like totally <laughs> rings my bell. 
you yeah. know, and so I saying it every day I, to everybody, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. you're <laughs> just quoting it in conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but it's, yeah. you can you really get a sense of it because when you read it, you mm. have a strong desire to collect it. You have a strong yeah, desire. Interesting. To it, yeah. Right. Like yeah, it is the things that. that you see, and you're like that one. I want to put it in my brain and make it stay there. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and so I ask people to cut those out, literally physically cut them out from the piece of paper that they are on. Mm. Uh, you know, in this context, I'm t- really treating these original sources as like raw material, right? Um, I, and I, I have to ask my students to like, they're like, but I want to keep the whole thing together. And I'm like, but actually you don't, yeah. you just yes. want to take the things from it that you're most excited about because what we're trying to do is illuminate what's inside you not what's inside this other person right uh-huh. um and i i do want people to be explicit about their and you know careful about how they honor their sources right like learning from these people is incredibly it's a privilege to learn from people right like books and materials like this are amazing because they are available to you when you need them right but to honor the work that's gone into making them is yeah. important, right? That in this moment, like you're taking from it what you need in order yeah. to advance your own knowledge of yourself and your own knowledge of how you want to operate in the mm. world, how you want to show up. So I usually give people, you know, anywhere between 20 minutes and an hour, depending on how much time we have, to just read through and collect and call. And we usually play a lot of really good music and, you know, (laughs) paper starts flying, you know, people are cutting things out and there's not enough room and then it's just going everywhere. And it's just like, you know, right. And at the end of it, there's usually a ton of paper on the floor and a small pile of things that people want to hold on to in front of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second part of the process is curating that and, there are two pieces to that. One is really about thinking about, about frameworks, um, organizing principles that might help you. So some people really want like a top 10 list and some people uh-huh. want like auto. They want like one thing that's just uh-huh. going to like, you know, <laughs> like be the shorthand for every other, right. This shorthand for long thoughts and feelings. Yes. Um, yeah. And some people want like, this is my top 10 list. Like, this is the thing I refer to. Um, you know, I'm sure that some people have a 75 year plan, you know, uh, right? Like, yeah, yeah, real life okay. design. Okay. Real- <laughs> but like one piece of it is frameworks. And then the next, the final piece of it is really, is really about media, about mediums. Like what's, mm-hmm. how are you, how do you want to present this, it? How do you want to see it? Like, what's the context in which you need to use it? You know, um, so do you want it to be something you see every day? Mm. Does it need to be something that like, hides away? Does it need to, you know, like, do you yeah, want it to be your Zoom up. background? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, on, with, on your laptop. Where are you gonna, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So so there's definitely like a, you know, is it a T-shirt? You know, is it a tattoo? Yeah, it's right? a pretty big difference, right? Between those, <laughs> yeah. between those ways of presenting stuff. So, Charlotte, like, yeah. Quick question to you. What's, thank you for that wonderful, pro- I mean, I, could, I was just, it's such a visual process as you describe it yeah you know you can and tactile you can really feel like that whole piece and the idea of you know you, you see a beautiful manifesto you're like, oh that's beautiful i don't want to 
don't want to cut into it, you know, but the whole mm-hmm. idea is like what's resonant with you and, and yeah. what in your, because of course you've been doing this at the meta level, the collection of manifestos. What have you noticed yeah. about the manifesto and like how do you draw out? Like do you have a top 10 list for what a manifesto needs to be? Do you have, what are the key principles that you would say is key? You know, is it diversity? Yeah. What, what is it that speaks I mean, to you? The thing that I have noticed is that, you know, people use them for different purposes, right? Mm. So, and, and I actually think that's great. Like, I, I love the idea that you could have a manifesto for part, different parts of your life for different, mm. different reasons, right? Um, and, you know, for some people, it's a method of integrating new knowledge, right? Yeah. So, like, have a sense of what they believe in, what they know is true, what they feel is true, mm-hmm. right? And then when they encounter something new, that changes the way that they think, right? And then they have this right. sense of like, that thing just blew my mind, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah. now they have a way to be like, what was it about that that blew my mind? Like, what is the piece that deeply resonated with me? Mm. How can I incorporate that into the way that I currently think? How does it change my manifesto, right? Yeah. Like so whatever it is that they've created as a manifesto, it's something that they then can constantly be revising or, or working with. Right. Mm. It's this sort of like a tuning fork, you know, it's yeah. like the thing that, right. You know? Yeah. That's great. Um, which is really great. So some people will use it as that. Some people, some people use it as kind of an exploratory, um, mm-hmm. kind of an exploratory moment of like, um, about intention and um and aspiration right so it, it it doesn't have to be you know manifesto doesn't have to be something that you already do right right yes um, sure it can be it can be about the things that you that you aspire to mm. um and uh i often use mine like the things that are part of my manifesto that are about like you know <laughs> Reminding myself yeah. about the ways that I want to show up in the world, the behaviors that I want to have and the actions that I want to take that I don't always take, right? I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah, yep. that sounds about for all of us. Action, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that there is that sort of sense of aspiration mm. that can be a part of it um, that I think is totally fine. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a difference between the person who makes a manifesto to announce themselves to others, right? To like, to be like, I would like to be a really great collaborator. Here's what I believe, right? Here's why I'm in this this work, right? Like that is really, and then there's a difference between that and something that's more self-facing, right? That's like, I'm reminding myself about why I. Yeah, great point. Remind myself about why I do this work, right? Yes. As opposed to introducing myself to others about why I do this, you know? Why, yeah. Why no, I really, that really resonates with me. The idea, yeah, of mm-hmm. who we are and who we are becoming. I mean, I love this idea of like, who are you right now and who are you becoming? And I feel like, yeah. you know, I often think about, um, well, a lot of philosophy to be fair, but Alan Watts has this wonderful thing around the arrival paradox or, mm-hmm. or um, the arrival fallacy, sorry. So yeah. this idea that we're, we're always, if, if we're constantly future casting mm-hmm. into this future state of becoming, we, we, we struggle to be. And so this, I yeah. think is what our society has done 
kind of across yeah. the board. And I think education systems, you know, in which both of us work, you know, is a really great yeah. example of this. It's, it's like get to the next hurdle. And you talked yeah. about, you know, the grind. So you've got to grind your way forward. You <laughs> yes. know? It's like, whoa, yeah. okay, everyone just slow down a little bit and think about yeah. being and doing and becoming as kind of three parts of a beautiful Venn diagram perhaps. But mm-hmm. I guess um, my question for you, Charlotte, is, you know, we think about, I think a lot about the future of learning, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're working in a very innovative university in a very incredibly beautifully creative space. What, how might we use these tools and really what you've been discovering and contributing to the students there and beyond? How do we do this and, and insert this into education systems? You know, do you, what's possible? Because I feel like and I've, there's lots of great pieces, but someone said the other day, education systems that are traditional and not in service, actually you leave them knowing what you're not good at. Yeah. You know, and that's such a, it's a, such a system failure, such a waste of talent. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you said that you said something very astute there, right? Which is um, education systems that are not in service, right? Mm. So the, the, the idea of being in service to the students, um, I think is something that we take very deeply to heart. And that is sort of the core of what it is that I'm doing at the yeah. D school is being in service. Um, and I, I think that's the piece that I feel like education is starting to, you know, eventually remember it's like just the beginnings of like starting to like clue back into that idea of being Mm. in service to, to the growing human, Mm. (laughs) right. Mm. Um, and figuring out how to enable that person to be a learner. Um, and to enable them to discover and to be and to become, mm. um, as opposed to, um, to absorb and, and, um, imitate yes. <laughs> right? yeah. um, and to future cast, like to constantly future cast. I think, yeah, I think that that is a piece that feels pretty key to what we need to, what we need to bring out there. I mean, I, I also think that the, you know, trying to, trying to help education systems not be afraid of um, seeing the uh, emotion, emotional learning and kind of reflection, like mm. self-reflection and self um, uh, projection as being like, to not be afraid of that as a practical tool in life, yeah. right? Um, I think that often it is seen as something that's a little too like fuzzy or like mumbo jumbo, you know, like it's like, yeah. oh, it's all those like woo woo crystal hugging people who are talking about like the emotional self. Like, <laughs> um, and and in fact, like, so you know, yeah. emotions are a part of our work. They are a oh. part of our you know, they're part of our families, they're a part of, and there, there's been this sort of fallacy about like, you can't bring your emotions to work, you can't bring emotions into your work, you know, this sort of scientific, you know, methodology of like, you can't put the human in the work, (laughs) you know, know? Um, and I think like, it's impractical, really, to, to think that that is true. Um, And I think it's a much better approach to really think about like, how do we integrate, like, all of our, our, ourselves, our emotional selves and our intellectual selves um, so that we can like really be better at operating with each other (laughs) 
you know, in these contexts where we absolutely you know, these these human contexts, pretending that we're bleeding out all the emotion from these human uh, contexts, but instead being like acknowledging that like there's a lot of subtext back there. It's just happening all the time. So always, <laughs> I, I, it's so true, and I feel like that, I mean we become so arid if we just elevate yeah. the cognitive to this this pinnacle without elevating the emotional and the social alongside that. I mean, I often yeah. reflect on our work in social emotional learning, for example, you know, and mm. funnily enough, Charlotte, the first episode of this podcast way back a couple of years is with professor mm. Mark Brackett, who's an emotion scientist and founded yeah. Yale center for yeah. emotional intelligence. And it's, he's yeah. hoping we need to have permission to feel, you know, how, yeah. you know the, the affective neurosciences are telling us emotion yeah. cognition are all the same. Anyway. Like you can't actually learn things no, you can't or decide anything activation. or yeah. do anything if you don't feel. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Though, that we, yeah. yeah. And so this, and I, I'm seeing this change in my work globally um, as an educator and a convener or whatever it is I do. But, you know, this shift where we're seeing the academic achievement being seen as the sole goal of education systems has really shifted. And the pandemic, I think, has been a big vehicle for that. We now have this idea of well-being and learning um, mm-hmm. or, you know, as kind of putting, being placed up there or as thriving or flourishing. What's the point of getting great grades if you have no friends and you're an emotional yeah. wreck? Like there's no, yeah. you know, we haven't equipped. Like, really really it's like the redefinition of achievement. Right. Yes. You right. know, um, yeah. what does it mean to achieve? Or, or like that achievement moves from that arrival fallacy to the like being, yes. <laughs> you know, the to being. the like who being present. We? Yeah. Well, you said beautifully, you? Charlotte, you said, um, I think a piece on to, to kind of circle this back, you know, manifesto can help us remind ourselves how do we want to show up? You talked yeah. about your own manifesto and I have one as well, although Having, you know, going through your book, I'm sure I'm going to update that as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, I have a life path, you know, this is like, this is my eulogy at the end. You know, uh, I feel like that's my manifesto is who do I want to have been past yeah. tense? Like go to the end and of course I'm an educator. So then you're backwards design, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I would love, um, it's such a one, it's such wonderful work, Charlotte. It's been great to dive into it with you. My last question to you is what do you want to leave us with? What's something resonant from your work and the way that you show up and all the wonderful ways you contribute to the world? What, what is it that you would like to leave for us yeah. to contribute to our manifestos perhaps as we build those? Yeah. I mean, I guess I have just a couple things. One is like to just not be intimidated to begin to investigate that, that part of your thinking and your feeling um, mm. because uh, it doesn't have to be difficult. Like it, it doesn't have to be monumental. Um, and there are easy paths in um, to it. Uh, so that piece is, that's the first piece is just like, if, if, if this project or this book can help people just not feel intimidated about approaching this kind of work, I feel like that's a huge win. Um, you know, and the other thing is really like, um, to it's just a tidbit i think from Mm -hmm. my own manifesto which i have a little tidbit that's like i like quiet even though i'm loud like i'm a very loud exuberant (laughs) and emotional and you know kind of open person it's like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, but i like Mm. quiet you know i i need quiet to recharge i need to be alone to be in Mm. nature to be you know 
Um, and I am okay with that contradiction, right? And uh, in uh, allowing for contradictions in yourself um, is incredibly powerful to like, <laughs> to just be like, it's okay to both want to um, change the world, right? And, and, uh, and the people in it and to yeah. help the people in it. But you, you also can be a person who needs, you know, who needs Rest. to recharge and be saved yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? So I think point. for, especially for educators, I think who are in service, right? Mm. It is okay to both be dedicated to being in service and to take time to reflect on yourself, right? Mm. Um, and that taking time out to reflect on your own self and process and the way you work and the way you want to work and show up in the world with other people yeah. is is a great benefit to the service that you do right um so it's not it's not the antithesis of the service that you do instead it's working for it yeah so take care of yourselves so that you can take care of other others yeah it's such it's such a great point um mm -hmm. and this idea that be more than one thing I've always said yeah. that, you know, sometimes you we get okay? stuck into, you okay with being, yeah, to be being in contradiction with yourself, <laughs> to, to, to sit in paradox. Um, yeah. how wonderful. Well, I love this idea of, you know, why we need a manifesto, the idea of being and becoming emotions, you know, process, making it super practical and hands-on and the collecting and curation. I mean, all the beautiful themes I think we've picked up in our in our chat today Charlotte so just an enormous thank you from from me and from us here at the Learning Future podcast for sharing you know this wonderful work it's a d-school guide but also you know some of your ideas and thoughts today as well it's been great to speak with you thank you so much it's been wonderful